Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Amen. Isn't it good to know when life seems out of control, there's somebody that we can always go to that will take control in our lives, in our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Want to uh, want to dive into something this morning that I would say this would be a key ingredient. Not only not only in your spiritual life, of course, that's going to be the application as we talk about how this relates to your Occupy and your relationship with Christ. But I would just say in any area of life, like success in business, success in education, success in just anything in life. Um, would be this area. In fact, if you were to if you were to sit down with me in an interview and if I was looking for to hire a position, this would be one of the very first questions that I would ask. Because you can get beyond you can add things to this, but if you don't have this, you're in trouble and that would be this. What is your passion? What is your passion? How many of you are in a position where you oversee some somebody like either in business or in the classroom or on the co- like you can teach some things right you can teach skill set you can you can teach uh uh cult, some things about culture you can teach but you can't teach like there's no number of conferences that you can send your employees to if they don't have passion has anybody ever tried to lead somebody or something and they didn't have Passion, And so that's just, I think that's core and that's key to who we are in our, in our relationship with Christ. In fact, so, so let's take a look at this. I think it would be good to examine, examine our level of passion this morning. And I want to use this to kind of walk through this. Now, uh, this, is not, this is not explosives. The staff won't let me do this. They wouldn't let me have real explosives. This is simply hot sauce. So... So in the realm of in the realm of hot sauce, this is called Fuego hot sauce. Uh, the tagline on this is the good the good hurt is <laughs> Fuego hot sauce. So there's different levels of spiciness, right? Or we'll equate this to uh, passion in your life. How many of you are just you walk into El Vallarta this afternoon? And by the way. I would just like to make a little lobbying point for it seems like if a restaurant gets a shout out in the message, what I hear on social media later that day is that restaurant has good business. I'd like a little cut of that. That would just be (laughs) my plea. But if you walk into one of our many fine Mexican restaurant establishments in the uh, Concord or Davidson area, how many of you are just mild? Just give me the mild sauce. It's okay. It's all right. We're just, I'm not talking about your spiritual temperature right now. You don't have to be ashamed of just talking about your hot sauce level. Some people are mild people. Uh, that's garlic. Pretty, pretty mild. A little bit of flavor there, but not uh, particularly spicy. And then you've got the chipotle. So this would be medium. Any medium people? Like, you know, mild's a little bit too bland, but don't get me anything that's going to set me on fire. There's the medium. And then how many of you are like, bring on the pain? I got, I got like the heat, the hot, and so we've got the cayenne pepper. 
here. And so there's different, and I think that, that we should just be always just kind of taking our temperature, right? If, you, if you've had a sick child or a sick grandchild or something, or maybe you, yourself you've been battling with something, one of, the, one of the things that you do is you just kind of take your temperature, and that's a good wellness check. And I think that we should uh, always just be kind of taking our temperature spiritually and saying, how's my, how's my passion level? Because I don't, I really don't believe this ever happens. I don't believe that you are red hot, on fire for God, just passionate for the Lord and his kingdom, passionate to see other people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you wake up one day and say, ah, you know what, Uh, goal for the day, if I could just, if I could just back down my passion level for God a little bit. I don't think that happens. I don't think you, you would say, wake up one morning and say, I, I witnessed to one too many people yesterday. And I need to, if we could just back that down, hashtag goals, if we could just back that down a little bit. I don't think that, that you got your, you know, as you're preparing your taxes for this year and your giving statement, that you looked at that giving statement and said, said, Oh my goodness, we gave way too much money to missions. I bet way too many people around the globe heard about Jesus. Can we just, honey, can we just cut that in half this year? Like, I don't think it's, right, it's not, it's not a thing that we wake up and decide to lose our passion. But how many of you that have been serving Jesus for more than two minutes know that sometimes your passion level can weaken, right? I mean, this just, it just happens. And so I think we need to be constantly kind of taking our temperature. And there's all kinds of things that can, can lead into draining our passion a little bit. Um, one of those things might be delay, right? So you were believing for a certain promise, believing for healing, and that thing is delayed in your life. And that can have the potential then to lead to discouragement, the, the lessening of courage and the enemy comes at you and you just feel discouraged. Uh, disappointment. Maybe disappointment in another person. You thought that this person was going to do something in your life and you're disappointed and that's draining your passion or, or doubt. Then you begin to just doubt the promises of God. Well, I thought that God spoke that to me, but it was a few months ago and maybe that wasn't really God. Maybe I kind of just conjured that up in my head. And then there's, and then there's the good old one of just distraction. We just get distracted by things around us, like good things. And I'm not even saying that this is sin. These may be distracted by good things, but they're not great things. And, 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 then, there's, and then there can be decay. Uh, and that's when we open the door to temptation and temptation's knocking at the door, but we just kind of, we leave the window cracked a little bit. Maybe the door is closed, but we leave the window cracked a little bit. And that little bit of yeast that the Bible talks about gets in and begins to decay or, or what about drought? Drought, anybody ever walk through? It's just spiritually dry. And you're, tr- you're trying and you just, but that level of passion. So this morning, maybe just kind of take your own temperature. Where would, where would you be on, on this scale? Would you say, man, Pastor Doug, I used, to, I used to be so on fire for God. I used to be red hot, but my passion level, and that's why the Bible says it like this, because your passion is tied to your occupy. It absolutely is. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Listen, O Israel, or listen, CFA. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. 
wholeheartedly to get all of the land and all of the promise. It's going to take all your heart. Not most, not a majority. So if you think of uh, maybe a picture of your heart, and I don't know, maybe as you kind of take your temperature this morning, but a picture of your heart, and you'd say, well, Pastor Doug, 75% or maybe 60, 75% of me is really passionate for Jesus. So the red just kind of representing. This is, I mean, that's the, that's the majority of that. You know, if you've got 75% of pie, that's a good bit of pie. I'll take 75. You know, if, you've got, if you get 75% on a test, you're passing, so you're going to go on to the next grade. But 75, here's what happens, though, in our spiritual lives. There's a law in physics uh, called, called horror vacui is the Latin term for this, work, for this uh, law in physics. And Aristotle kind of came across this uh, year, years and years ago. And basically, here's what it means, that nature, <laughs> nature abhors a vacuum. And some of you are like, me too. I abhor a vacuum too. I hate, you know, I'll wash the dishes, but I abhor, don't put me on the vacuum. Some of, but nature abhors a vacuum. What that means in physics uh, is simply this, that areas of high concentration go to areas of low concentration. So if it were possible, so it's theoretically possible in nature and it's possible under man-made conditions, but in nature there's no such thing as a vacuum, right? There's no, there are not pockets of nothingness. Because if you had a pocket of nothingness by the law that nature abhors a vacuum, the air molecules around that pocket of nothingness, the area of high concentration would go into the area of low concentration. Um, if you have, if you spill, spill something on your carpet, that's why it doesn't just stay on that one little, the grape juice doesn't stay on that one spot. It, go, it spreads out because nature abhors a vacuum. And so areas of high concentration go to areas of low concentration. It's the same principle when you are vacuuming. Uh, I know there's power and there's motors, but still on the inside of the vacuum, it's a pressure thing. So it's higher pressure outside of your vacuum and on the inside of the vacuum. And that's why your vacuum that's working should tend to suck up the stuff around us. And that's fine if you've hosted uh, a birthday party for eight boys like we just did this past weekend. And you're vacuuming up after them. They were good. They were good. Don't worry about it. But, uh, and so no stories from that. Uh, but, but, uh, so, uh, but, but, you know, boys and kids are just messy, and that's fine. But, but in our spiritual lives, in our spiritual lives, if your heart isn't full of Jesus, you're going to suck up the stuff. You're going to suck up everything around you. And so that's why sometimes you wonder, well, where'd the fear come from? Where'd the worry come from? Are you passionate? Is your heart full of God? Because if it's only 75% full of God, it's going to be full of something you you can't just say well Doug I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave a little me space like most of the time I want to do what God does but I just just in case I want to make a decision that's like a big boy decision like my I want to make my own decision on this God, you can have everything over here 20-something but but I just want I want my my college and my, my relationship, I'm just going to leave that. No, because empty space doesn't just stay empty space. You start to suck things in and those things begin to decay. 
They begin to decay at your joy and they begin to decay your peace and they begin to decay your love and they begin to decay the very life. And you, you said, well, man, I was, so, I was so on fire for God when I got home from the missions trip. What, ha- what happened? And we're just, just taking our spiritual temperature this morning. I, when, I, when I opened the pack of that uh, hot sauce, there's a little card in it, that, and it said this. If, if, um, you know this, right? Water doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> you, ever, you ever accidentally got the wrong salsa? Um, or you're eating with somebody that thought it would be real funny to put the, put the extra, you know, the, the habanero sauce in there and you grab the glass. I remember when, we were, when um, Quaker Steak and Lube, the wing place, was down at Concord Mills. They had the atomic wings and you had to sign the waiver. And if you ate all six of them, you got your name on the wall. You know, different, pla- different wing places have this. And I only ate one and just, fi- you know, fire, tears and redness and that sort of thing. And water... Water doesn't, water only makes it hotter. Water only makes, makes it hot. But can I, can I tell you this, that when the enemy tries to throw water on your fire, it only makes it hotter. Anybody ever have the enemy just try to throw some water on your passion? You're loving Jesus, and here's, a, here's an email that just tries to throw water on your passion. Here's a situation at work that throws water on your passion. But the enemy's water only makes your fire. It should make you say, fine, I'm just going to, I'm going to worship harder. I'm going to lift my hands higher. I'm going to shout louder. I'm going to clap louder. Like whatever it, whatever it takes. Yeah, go ahead. It's all right to show some passion, to show some passion. Because what the enemy brings against you will not neutralize. The fire of God is in your heart. And that's why external things can't get in there unless you let them in there. You control your passion. You control the fire that's in you. And you just say, God, help my level of passion. Let Let me give you some things from God's word this morning that I think will help us to retain our, retain our passion. In the 915 service, uh, when they called people forward for prayer, there was a seven-year-old boy. I don't know about how old I'm guessing. Seven, eight-year-old boy. He didn't, boom, he didn't hesitate. Passion. Passion. The Bible talks about unless your heart becomes like that of a little child. As your faith grows, is your heart like that? Do you respond for prayer like you did with the faith of a child? Do you worship him with the passion you did when you were a teenager and when he reached down and plucked you out of the fire of hell? Or has it waned a little bit? Do you still have the passion? See, our faith should not make us more childish. But it should always make us more childlike. As we grow older, I hope you, I bless you as you grow older to grow younger too. To grow younger in your belief. To grow younger in your passion. To grow younger in your faith. And so several things. Keeping your passion involves number one, action and obedience when you don't feel it. So Deuteronomy 6, verse 1, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. 
You must obey them when you're really feeling spiritual in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord as long as you live. And if you obey all his decrees and commands when you're on a spiritual high, you will enjoy long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey when they sing the worship song that you really like on Sunday. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land overflowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I may have added a few phrases in that scripture, but I think it's important for us to realize, I think this is a key for us to understand, and we understand this, and so I'm just reminding you that passion is not an emotion. Right? Like, passion is, is not, passion is not an emotion. So, all the married couples in the room, uh, repeat this and just remind yourselves this. Say, passion is not an emotion. No, I need you to say it out loud. I need you to remind yourself. Say, passion is not an emotion. Because you were, you were passionate that first Valentine's Day. And you didn't even have to think about it. You got, you got her a card for every day of Valentine's. It wasn't a day. It was Valentine's week. And those, and those cards led to clues. And the clues led to gifts. And the gifts led to a bigger gift. And then, and then you realized when you were five years into marriage, oh my goodness, I set the bar way too high. Because passion is not an emotion. You had a baby at the hospital, and every time the baby cried, there were 13 relatives in the room. Say, oh, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take the baby, I'll take the baby. And when you take the baby home at two in the morning in week five, you have to remind yourself that passion is not an emotion. When, when you, when you started your workout in January, and it's now the end of February, you need to remind yourself that passion is not an emotion. See, we have to understand that sometimes passion fuels action. Sometimes. Like I would say maybe 10% of the time, passion fuels action. I would say about 90% of the time, action fuels passion. So, so we're getting ready for the Spartan race again. You know when I feel passionate about Spartan race workouts? After. <laughs> after. Like, long, like, a, like after. Not, but not at five o'clock in the morning on Tuesday when I wake up. I'm not, I am not passionate about anything but especially about working up on working out on Saturday on Saturdays when we meet together and when we were running the hill 10 10 times and then and then so it was run the hill 10 burpees 10 squats run the hill 10 burpees 10 squats run the hill 10 burpees 10 squats and I'm getting tired just saying it but I promise you on that 10th time when pastor Zach was encouraging me and when he was saying we, when he was saying it's all in your mind it's all in your mind 
Do you see my muscles shaking? That's not in my mind. Like I, like, I was passionate, but it had nothing to do with finishing that workout. I was, well, I was just, I was passionate. But I'm passionate very rarely. A lot of things in my life that I know I should be doing, I'm not passionate before. I'm passionate. A- you know when I'm passionate? I'm passionate after when I sit down and my belly isn't hanging over my belt. That's, why I'm, that's when I'm passionate. Like I'm passionate when, when there's a good hurt after a workout. I'm passionate about those kind of things. And, and here's the thing. that Sometimes we can become passionate about the idea of something and not passionate about the thing itself. And that's why you got to be careful about how much you post. Because if you post about doing something, you can actually fool yourself into thinking you actually did it. My brother does a lot of like gardening and farming and that sort of thing. And he just kind of smiles because everybody Instagramming shots of their garden in March. You know, like, hey, I just planted this and, and it looks so neat. And you got your rose and you got everything. Like everybody's, everybody's passionate in March. He says, show me, show me that garden in July when the weeds start coming up. See, passion, passion is not just being in love with the idea of something. It's in love with the thing itself, not just passionate about the idea of getting in shape in January, passionate about waking up in March. Not just passionate about the idea of becoming an author, passionate about the idea of writing when you don't have one single good idea that's, that's flowing through your head. Not just passionate about the idea of accessing more power through your prayer life, but passionate about setting the alarm a half hour before so you can access that power. Number two, keeping your passion involves having a picture of a preferred future. Verse 10, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made the vow with your ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. You will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. See, passion requires our yes to be bigger than our no. One of the reasons that I ask you to get that word in January is that I I realize that April's coming. And and that something that seems so good at the beginning of the year, when the enemy starts throwing buckets of water on you, we need that picture of the preferred future ahead of us to say that I may be walking through this situation, but this isn't my destiny. I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to continue moving. I'm going to continue down the path. And this leads to what I'm going to call, and and there's going to be a disconnect here, uh, maybe, but I want to tie it together. A disconnect between the point and the scripture. So here's the thought, is that to to keep the passion going in our life, we need to reclaim the story. Reclaim the story. Verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. So this is talking about the, the word that Israel had, the laws, the commands, everything like that. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and of your gates, so talk 
and tie and write and repeat and talk and tie and write and repeat and talk. So that word you got, you're talking about it, you're writing it, you're, you're repeating it, you're talk, tie, write, repeat. You take a piece of paper and you, you, you write it and put it on the dashboard of your car and you put it up on your refrigerator and you take a pottery class and you make a sculpture that looks like the object of your word or whatever, whatever you got to do, you're just keeping that word. You, you screenshot it on your phone so you're looking at it continuously. And, but here's the idea of this. Remember, remember why that God told Moses to tell the Israelites to do this was because they were an oral culture. So they passed on uh, the prophetic. They passed on the anointing. They passed on the promise. They passed on all of these things through them, so they got it too, and to the next generation by doing what? By telling stories. By telling stories. And as they told the stories, so this write, repeat, tie, talk, all of these things were to remind them to tell, basically it was to tell the parents, hey, tell your kids good, good bedtime stories. Grandkids, tell your, because what happens is we tend to live, we live out of our story. We live out of our, an, our ancestry and that whole series we did. And that's one of the reasons these ancestry sites are so popular is because there's something just innate within us that we want to know our history. And, and once we know our story, once we know our history, it fuels our ability to live forward in, into our promise. So let me explain this for a couple of different ways. Um, when I was doing my uh, uh, doctoral program, one of the books that they had us re read was by a guy named Ogden. And the thesis of this book was that he walked through a lot of things. And, and, and I think, and he says, no, I'm not 100% sure. And listen, if this is not correct, um, you don't base your faith on Jesus on it. But I thought it was a really interesting thesis. And honestly, I thought he, he argued it convinc very convincingly. There is multiple proof from outside uh, like extra biblical sources, historians of that time and different research and everything. And he began to show that Mark, the gospel writer Mark, was most likely African, was most likely African. So you, you say, well, what does that matter? Well, here's why it possibly matters. Because when he would go to Bible colleges in Africa and there would be young men and women sitting there and studying for the ministry. And he began to tell them the story of Mark and to begin to tie his roots back to the continent of Africa. These Bible college students, these Africans, they would come alive. And here's why is that they would say, wait a second, there was somebody in the inner circle of Christ that looks like me. I gotta be honest, People with lighter colored skin in this audience, including myself, you don't, under, you don't understand the power of this. We don't. We don't. Because we grew up and all your bedtime stories had people with the same color of skin that you did. And all the movies that you watched had superheroes with the same color of skin that you did. And that's why it is incredibly important that this movie Black Panther was released. You say, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
You say, again, I, I'm not sure I, 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 I get it. But I, I took my kids to, to see this. I took my son to see this. And, and, and as I was walking in the theater, Corey and his family were walking out of the theater. And, and, um, and I was thinking about this whole Mark thing and this just identity, the power of identity with your, with your past and with your story. And I was trying to connect it to the whole narrative that was going on in this movie. And then I saw Corey post something later. And when he posted that, I was like, that, that's it. That's what I'm feeling he expressed what I was feeling but he talked about the power with his kids beside him with his family beside him of seeing somebody portrayed on screen as a hero that looked like him and if you don't understand that then you need to understand it because there is there is power in reaching back and grabbing hold of a narrative that says you are you are powerful you are strong this is your identity and that is so important culturally and that is so important in our society but it's even more important in your spiritual life is that you reach back you get your story not from others around you you get your story not from anybody else but from the pages of scripture you reach back into that story and say this is my identity this is who I am parents can I encourage you that more important than just telling your children what to do, tell them who they are. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.